This is the FM Gold channel of All India Radio. In the program news analysis, now we bring you a discussion on Pravasi Bharatiya Divas 2019. The participants are Ashok Sajjanhar, former diplomat, and Nilova Roy Choudhury, journalist. The 15th Pravasi Bharatiya Divas event was inaugurated this morning by external affairs minister Sushma Swaraj and the chief minister of Uttar Pradesh Yogi Adityanath. This is the 15th edition and it's the first time that this particular event is happening outside in the ancient city of Varanasi and at a date that is not the usual date for the this particular event which was intended to coincide with the return of Mahatma Gandhi to India in 1915 so instead of the 9th to 11th this time it's happening between the 21st and the 23rd primarily to allow all of our guests to experience the kumbh mela which is happening in prayagraj as well as the republic day celebrations which apparently many of them expressed a desire to see ambassador sajanhar what do you think is the significance of this particular event in terms of an event and in terms of the contribution that it makes to building india as a nation this time the theme is the role of the diaspora in building a new india we have a very strong diaspora in large number of countries in the world and with the passage of time it's become very influential for instance you know just to give you one or two indicators for instance in the united states we have more than 3 million people currently and if you were to look at their education level of uh, the indian diaspora they are the highest amongst all the migrant communities in the united states if you were to look at the prosperity level they are the most prosperous and the most well to do and of late they have become extremely also politically conscious and politically active so that we have an equal number of our diaspora in uh, amongst the democrats also amongst the republicans there are several of them who are in uh, mr trump's uh, cabinet in the white house in the national uh, security council and so on and so forth also there in barack obama's cabinet also there are large number of members who from the indian diaspora who are members of congress who are senators and two of them have also indicated their intention to also fight for the white house in 2020 the point i'm making is that they become very influential so how is it that we can utilize leverage that asset that we have also if we were to look because you know these are all professionally very qualified people who have gone there if we were to look even in the gulf countries in the middle east for instance we have about 9 million the total number of people of indian origin in other countries is about 31 million out of that about 9 million of them are there in west asia and they are in blue collar jobs they are in white collar jobs not maybe right now they are going up the ladder and becoming in more senior positions but the sort of remittances that we receive from them in india india has been the recipient of highest quantum of remittances foreign remittances than any other country although as i said you know our diaspora is the second largest in terms of numbers but at we had received about 72 billion a few years ago 2018 the figures are not out as yet in 2017 we had got about 68 billion basically because the price of oil and all had come down 
and much of our remittances are really coming from the Middle East. That's the point I wanted to make, that it is the white collar and the blue collar workers, 9 million who send more than 50% of the remittances here. In 2018, that is what is expected. The World Bank has not come out with the figures as yet, but India is expected to receive about 80 billion. So how is it that we can leverage the assets that we have outside, both in terms of building, making a new India, so to say, in terms of its economy, in terms of investment, in terms of infrastructure, getting more technology, and also how can India help these people who are in other countries in terms of problems that they might face, because most of them still maintain very close linkages with India. This year, after celebrating the centenary of Mahatma Gandhi's return in 2015, the Ministry of External Affairs decided to, from an annual event, to make this into a biennial event and to give it more substance, as it were, and to give a little time to for the various resolutions that have been taken on to fructify. Now, the leverage that you were talking about in terms of these 31 million people, as you rightly said, is enormous. And there's even been talk of allowing them to perhaps vote because this is a very, very significant demand that many of these people have made. But some place like, say, the West Indies or Suriname and places where there's a huge overseas Indian population, the fact still remains that despite having sort of distant connections with the homeland, there isn't a very significant economic component to that, maybe because of the distance or whatever it is, as opposed to, say, the Gulf, the West Asian region, where the remittances are rightly huge. These are different instances. The United States has very powerful people who have gone there. But say, place like the West Indies and India, there are mismatches in certain places. So how overall can this be corrected? You made a very valid uh, observation and a very good question. You see, because there is no one size fit all. You know, for each and every society, we will have to see what is it that that society needs and what is it that those people can contribute. Because you look at it, you know, as far as West Asia is concerned, basically people who have gone out from here have gone in the 70s, you know, after the oil boom started. That is when they really started going out there. So their connect with India is still very, very fresh, very, very young. They have not really gone there with their families. Now, if you look at people, let us say Suriname, you said, West Indies, you said, Fiji also, if we were to look at it. These are people who had been taken by the British or by the Dutch. In Suriname, for instance, it was the Dutch. Mm. In Fiji, it was the British who took them as endangered labors. So they have gone from here and I have met those people. And you'll be surprised, Nilova, that while we say that in India, India has moved on over the last 40, 50 years in terms of the way we dress, the what we eat, the way we pray, the way we celebrate our cultures. But those people are still keeping that India of their time alive in their homes, how they conduct the rituals, the customs, the traditions, the festivals. So while I would say that in terms of economics, you know, for instance, we spoke about this 9 million diaspora in West Asia, in terms of economics, they have more to contribute. Those who are in the United States, they have more to contribute because politically they have become influential, politically they have become proactive and important. 
but in terms of emotions these are the people they might not really get all these many opportunities to come back to india but emotionally they are very closely linked with india for instance these people have also chief guest is going to be prime minister from mauritius so whether it is mauritius or there are other places there also the indian diaspora become a part of the society but they have risen up in the political and economic importance and significance and if india were to reach out to them and say that they are welcome to come here and to establish you know once again rediscover the roots that they have with the country and with the people and with the culture and with the civilization i think it will be a very very mutually advantageous and a mutually beneficial exercise the indian diaspora worldwide is the second largest after the chinese diaspora but china despite all of those efforts has not managed to build as positive an image for example it's certainly in the west as say the indian diaspora has managed what would you account for that particular perception so what is it about the indian diaspora in particular i mean as maybe as closely linked with the jewish diaspora and the jewish lobbies that have managed to project a very positive perception of india as an advancing open tolerant so what was the difference in perception between say the chinese diaspora and the indian diaspora you know i am very happy that you mentioned about the jewish diaspora because i think there are so many similarities mm-hmm. between the indian diaspora and the jewish diaspora and if you remember you know the report that had come out by the high level committee that had been set up by prime minister vajpay in 2000 and 2001 they came up with the report and they also referred to the jewish diaspora yeah. in the united states which i remember when i was there around the same time it was about 6 million mm. india was you know about 2 plus million so the jewish diaspora was much larger but as i said in terms of education and prosperity levels india was still better on an average from them but uh, jewish diaspora was extremely influential you know the whole policies of the united states used to be many a times dictated by the jewish diaspora in terms of influencing it to how to react or respond to issues that were evolving in west asia and middle east so in that sense uh, this was a bit of a guidance as far as india was concerned and i think very quickly indian diaspora also you know fulfilled the expectations that we had from them because when the india us nuclear deal was signed in the framework agreement was signed in 2005 and then they left no stone unturned to lobby for this and to lobby for india in the united states and even now you know when in september 2014 when prime minister modi had gone to new york and he gave that well known address at the madison square garden the whole place was full and there were so many us congressmen senators and governors who were there basically because the indian diaspora counts every one of them wants to reach out to but to come to your question i think indian diaspora is by and large law abiding hard working they do not create problems they do not have law and order issues and all and they are very meticulous they are very conscientious and they are very loyal to the country where they are based mm-hmm. while they still have contact connection 
sentimental link with the country of their origin. But I think they give everything that they have. And I think this is what uh, Pandit Nehru also used to say, that they should be, wherever they are placed, they should be loyal citizens of that. And I think that is what they have been. As far as Chinese are concerned, I think in their business dealings, you know, there could be other reasons also. But I have... Perhaps language could also be... Language also could be, you know, which keeps them a little apart so far. Although right now they have started learning the language also and they become quite proficient. But I am talking about my own experience in Southeast Asia that the Chinese were looked askance with the lack of trust and confidence because of the business dealings and because of and everywhere you go all these places you have a Chinatown that means they used to keep to themselves. I think Indians also much they keep to themselves they celebrate their own but they do not have that sort of a ghetto mentality that they get into they are also mixing and interacting and reaching out to the local people also so i think that possibly could be one of the differences that while retaining maintaining safeguarding their own values and thoughts they still reach out to the local people. The Prime Minister will be visiting the PBD tomorrow and also be holding talks with the Chief Guest, Mr. Jagnath. The fact that this time it is being held in Varanasi, which is also Prime Minister's constituency, incidentally, does this have a special significance? Do you think it's attracted almost 6,000 delegates and people, I believe, visitors this time? So is the choice of venue, do you think, the fact that the Kumbh Mela is happening, the whole cultural connect that is blending so well this time, is that a major factor this time? Do you think? I think that would be a huge attraction because, you know, as far as uh, Varanasi is concerned, it really is, it represents the ethos of India. That is unity and diversity. All religions, ethnicities, languages, etc. coexist very peacefully there. And of course, it is the religious heartland, spiritual heartland of India. So in that sense, it is important. And also, it is Prime Minister's constituency, he said. So he is the host as far as this is concerned. And it is next to Prayagraj. Kumbh is taking place. So many things have come all together in one. Thank you so much, Ambassador Sajanhar. Thank you. You were listening to a discussion on Pravasi Bharat Divas 2019. The participants were Ashok Sajanhar, former diplomat, and Nilova Roy Chaudhary, journalist. The program was produced and presented by the News Services Division of All India Radio. This program is also available on our website, newsonair.nic.in. You may email your opinion about this program at airnsdtalks at gmail.com.